verses 15 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When he saw, saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day of life. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness that is new every morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice for us, that you redeemed us from sin and death. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your comfort, for leading us and convicting us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through Brother Brad today. I pray that your word would pierce our hearts and change us. I also pray for our brothers and sisters who you've called to the mission field. We pray for the Todd family, the Rayburns, David and Holly. I pray, Lord Jesus, you bless them for their obedience today. I pray that you would protect them and keep them healthy so they continue to love and serve those around them. Give them boldness to share the gospel. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would open our eyes today that we would be obedient to go when we have opportunities to go and touch the nations, to teach and make disciples here at home and overseas, and to give of our resources to help others. I pray that we'd be obedient to what you called us to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your promises that you'll be with us always and even to the end of the ages. We love you, Lord, and I pray that your will would be done today. In the name of Jesus, amen. This week is our final week of focusing on asking this question, who is your one? Who is your one? We just heard about the Great Commission. We're going to go over it here in a moment so you'll see how it applies to your life and to the life of this church. But what we've been asking over the last four weeks is for you to think of someone you know family member, a friend, a co-worker, whomever it may be that you know does not know Jesus, that you want them to come to the knowledge of Christ, and that that be your one. We talk about evangelism a lot, and it seems like a vague thing. We know we're supposed to be sort of sharing our faith, but we don't have any focus a lot of times. And so sometimes we just walk around with guilt that we don't share, or just a sort of not understanding what we're supposed to do. And so to help, we're asking this question, who's your one, one person that you can pray for, pray that someone will share the gospel with, pray that the Spirit of God will work in their life, pray that the Lord will use you to tell them the gospel, not only just to be their friend, to establish a relationship with them, but to sit down and talk to them about the deeply personal thing, where would you be if you died? However that conversation comes up, however it is it needs to happen, ask them, do they know the gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ loves them, that he died for them, that he rose from the dead, and if they will believe in him, they will never perish but have everlasting life? Who is your one? 
This morning as we look at the Great Commission, a lot of us have had it memorized for a long time and we know that we're supposed to go into all nations and we're supposed to make disciples. But I really think it's important as I preached a couple of years ago on this passage to notice what happens in verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. It is, why do you think, I want, I want to ask you this, and I want you to think about this really just for a minute. Why do you think in the middle of the Great Commission, Matthew adds that some doubted? Why would he put that? And how could they doubt? How could they doubt? This is right before Jesus' ascension into heaven. He's already died on the cross. Everybody saw it. It wasn't as if this were done in a secret place. He was crucified before all Jerusalem. Great crowds were there. Everyone who knew, knew who Jesus was. Everyone had heard by this point, uh, whoever would be here on this mountain witnessing this would know that Jesus had been crucified. They would know that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And yet here they are in this moment doubting. How can that be? What did they doubt? And why did Matthew include it? Were these doubters believers? Were they people who believed in Jesus and yet doubted? What were they doubting? His claim to have all authority in heaven and earth? Were they doubting that he was going to come back again? Were they doubting still that he was the Son of God? I believe that Matthew included this to let us know and to let you know that doubting Jesus is not unusual. No matter what we've seen, no matter what we've been through, no matter how our lives are, doubting Jesus is not unusual. If these people doubted Jesus standing on the mountain after having witnessed him, or as uh, Thomas said, let me put my finger in your side, let me put my hand on your wing, then I'll believe, right? If they, having seen Jesus, doubted, what hope do we have? And why would it be here connected to telling people about Jesus? And here's why. We're all doubters on the mountain. And the reason we don't share Jesus is because we're afraid something bad will happen. We're afraid it will sever a relationship, a friendship. We're afraid it will be awkward. We're afraid maybe God won't save them. We're afraid that they'll be upset. We're more afraid of the reaction they will have toward us than we are about the condition of their souls and the command of our Lord. We live on the other side of the crucifixion and on the other side of Jesus' ascension into heaven. Though we did not see it with our eyes, we have been given a gift since Pentecost that they did not have. We have the Spirit of God. And if that were not enough, then if we are truly in Christ, then we know that God has been with us every step of the way since we have been here. We may not have always known in our deep uh, and troubling times we might have cried out and wondered where the Lord was, but without fail, when I have walked through the valley of the shadow of deep trouble, not of death, we're always in the valley of the shadow of death. This whole place is death. But when you come out of trouble and look back on the other side, you can see that God has been with you the whole way. As I look at the overarching story of my life, and I'm sure it's the same for you, I can see how God has been faithful to me over and over and over again, and yet still... I doubt. Did it not happen also to the disciples over and over again? Do you think that Mark was told by Peter to include the fact that he denied Jesus three times uh, so that we could think Peter was a lousy disciple or a normal one? 
Though everyone betray you, Lord, I will never do this. Keep before the rooster crows three times, brother, you'll deny. Before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. I will never do this. I will die for you. Before the day's over, I don't know who this man is. It says he swore with an oath. I swear to God I don't know who Jesus is. He went out and wept. Jesus said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But I pray to you that your faith might remain. And when you are restored, teach your brother. The reason that Peter remained is because of the power of Christ. And even though Peter doubted, even though Peter lost his nerve, even though Peter denied his Lord, his Lord never denied him. And so there is hope for doubters this morning. Some doubted. There is one person, I pray, that God has put in your heart and your mind that you don't know if God can save you, if he will save you, how you're going to do this, how am I going to talk to them about the Lord. Maybe you've picked someone that's only an acquaintance. You barely know. I do not know how this can happen. Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt in me? Some doubted. This morning, Angela prayed for those who we support in mission work over there. They doubt too. There is no one who's immune from this. And that's why it's right here in the condition of our Lord. Some doubted. But we don't have to live in doubt. And we can walk by faith. And how do we dispel the darkness of doubt? How do we get the courage? I mean, I, I think of Joshua chapter 1. Think about Joshua. All the things that Joshua had seen. He'd seen all the plagues that go on in Egypt. He had seen everything that God had done for their deliverance. He had walked in the desert for 40 years, eating manna from heaven every single day. And in Joshua chapter 1, what does God say to him three times? Be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be courageous. Because God knows our hearts. And so how this morning, if these people looked and doubted, how can we, how can we have faith and courage and be strong? Jesus came near to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So first of all, the Lord comes near. And he says to them, all authority has been given to me. He is the king. There is nothing in the world in the universe that's not under his rule. And he comes near. In fact, in the end of this, it's emphasized again. He says, I will be with you always until the end of the age. How do you overcome doubt? Jesus comes near. And Jesus says, I am king. So what you need to do, oh doubting, faithless one, all we need is a mustard seed, folks, right? See, Jesus, here's the trick to evangelism. I'm going to tell you, and I'm just going to give you the, the story. The truth to evangelism is that Jesus cares more about those lost souls than you do. The Holy Spirit loves the glory of Jesus more than you do. You think you want to glorify Jesus? You haven't seen anything. The zeal for the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ to be magnified in all the universe is all-powerful and all-consuming. And you, doubter, are filled with this spirit. And when you are in the presence of your one, if God is faithful, he will speak and use you 
to help this person know the gospel. You will be filled with the power of the Spirit. You will be filled with the authority of Christ. You are the ambassador who, on behalf of God, pleads for people to be reconciled to God. You be faithful because God is faithful. All authority has been given to him. And he is seeking souls. We can do whatever we need to do in the name of Christ. No law forbidding the propagation of the gospel keeps us from telling our one about Jesus. There's no laws of man. The only thing that keeps you and me in this country from sharing the gospel with whomever we please is the awkwardness of the social interaction. That's the only barrier we have to overcome. That's a small barrier. We don't want to get into fusses with our co-workers, our friends. We don't want to be jerks for Jesus. That is not going to be the shirt that we wear, jerks for Jesus. But we do, we do want to share the gospel with them in a way that is serious and real because we're worried about their souls. And this person you may pick out may be somebody that comes to church sometimes. Maybe they come to church, maybe they're there, but you're just not sure where they are. Why don't you ask them? Ask them where they are with Jesus. This commission that Jesus gave to the disciples there on the mountain is not only for the disciples, it's for all of the church. And how do we know that? Because in this commission is also, also the command to baptize. Was the command to baptize only given to the apostles or is it given to the whole church? The entire church, of course. So this commission has come down from the from Jesus to the apostles to the church and is in existence to this day. And as I always uh, want to make mention, when the Bible says here in verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, so he's got authority everywhere, and it says, go therefore. So some of you know English. I'm going to tell you that this word in Greek, go, is a participle. It's not an imperative, and it means as you are going, while you go. So evangelism is not just, if you read this and you think go, right? We got to go somewhere to go tell the gospel. So I've got to get there and then tell the gospel. And we think missionaries and stuff like that. That is not what this means. It means as you go, make disciples. The first command in this passage is actually make disciples. The imperative is on make disciples. So what are you supposed to be doing? Not just thinking about, I've got to go. It's as I'm going, I should make disciples. And where are you going? You're going to work, you're going to school, you're going to the breakfast table. Wherever you go, you're supposed to be making disciples. This is not only just the people who don't know the Lord, but also those who do. We're supposed to be making disciples. In the Old Testament, it says, when you rise up and when you lay down when you go along the way tell them about the Lord this is what you do as you go make disciples one of the reasons it's difficult for us to make disciples and to tell lost people about Jesus is because we're not talking about him anytime anywhere and we're not talking about him and thinking about him as we go the more we think about the gospel and the more it becomes part of our life the more natural it would be for us to tell others about Christ we are called by the Lord who has all power 
in heaven and on earth to make disciples. We have a commission from Jesus to go to people who are made from dust, who have rebelled against the living God. People made of dust rebel against the living God, say they want no part of him and murdered his son when they got here. This is the condition of every heart that has ever lived. And God has sent his son and given him all authority, the one who was murdered, the crucified one who was murdered, risen from the dead. This one says, I am giving you a commission to go and tell those in rebellion against me that I will forgive them. Not only will I forgive them, all of their sins will be gone. I've paid for that. That's gone. I'll give them a place in my kingdom. They will be my children. You will be my sons. You will be my daughters. Go and tell them that, that I have forgiven them. When they crucified him, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Instead of cursing, he blessed. What was Jesus concerned about when he was on the cross? He was concerned about his mom. He told John, man, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. What was he concerned about? He was concerned about his mom. He was concerned about those who crucified him. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is the king we serve. And this is the commission he's given, that he is still concerned for their souls. Because they are wasting their lives and they are wasting their strength and they are wasting their time for things that will not please, that cannot last. But Jesus, the king of glory, his goodness and love last forever. He loves you like a child, like a son, like a daughter. And he's calling for you to come home. And when you get there, he's saying, call some other people, come home too. This is what the commission of the Lord is. It's reconciliation to family. Family that is spread throughout all the world, is in every tongue and tribe and nation, has a common problem. That we are in rebellion against God and proud people is the root of our difficulties. The root of all our troubles is our pride and rebellion. It puts murder in our hearts. First murder Jesus and then everybody else who won't give us our way. We are a sad people. And apart from the grace of God and the regenerating power of the Spirit changing us to learn to love and see others first as image bearers of the Almighty God, we will be forever lost in this selfishness. Jesus says, as you go, make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is always with his people when they go make disciples, when they baptize, when they teach. He's always with his people. He's with you now. Some of us may be in difficult places. We come here, we look happy, but on the inside we might be sad. Things may be going on in our hearts that no one knows about, the, both the joy and the darkness of a heart may belong to that person alone. I don't know where you are, and I know that it might be hard to hear, but I'm telling you this morning that Jesus is with you. He was with Stephen when he was martyred. 
good to receive him in glory. Jesus is good. He is good to his word. And he will go with you wherever you go. And he's been there for whatever you've been through. Even the difficult, sinful things that people may have done against you. The Lord knows and the Lord cares. And he will hear you. He'll heal you from your sins. And he will make right every wrong. He is good. And we can trust him. He says, I will be with you always. Do you know the Jesus that's coming again? He's come to this to stay. The king who has all authority in heaven and earth. He has come near to our church. He's come near to you. You are precious to him. You are one he rescued. That was the intention and purpose of his coming here, to bring glory to my Father by saving my people. And not just saving them, but keeping them forever. We are in his hand. No one can snatch us out. No one who comes to me, he said, will ever be cast out. Of all my Father has given to me, I have not lost a one. His reputation is at stake. His glory is at stake. And what is his glory and his glory and his crown if not his people who he bought? What will he be presenting to his father to bring his father glory? Is it not you, his beloved people? You can trust him. And so there is someone out there today, however this makes you feel, listen, however it makes you feel to know that Jesus is close and he's always with you, there is someone who is lost, cold, in the dark, does not know what you know, does not feel what you feel, does not have the spirit you have. And Jesus says, tell them about me that they might be saved. The gospel is not about us. Our reputation is nothing. We are not here to build a reputation for ourselves amongst people. We are here to spread the glory of the reputation of Jesus. His glory is our only concern, and His command is our duty. His wish is our command. He has said to us to make disciples. So pick out one. If somebody else comes along that doesn't know Jesus, tell them too. But pick you out one. Pray for this person. Talk to this person about Jesus. And if you feel altogether unequipped, unprepared, I don't know what I'll say, I don't know what I'll do, then here's your prayer. Jesus, come near. Help this poor soul that I feel inadequate to help. Lord, I cannot save, but you can save. And how do I know who can save? Because he saved me. If he can do that, he can save anyone. There is nobody who's lost that's any lostier than I was. There's no one who's far from God who's further than I was. And Jesus saved me. He can save you changed my life and even the difficult times I've had in my life I look back and think it is 100% worth it to know Jesus that's what Paul said right I've lost everything Paul said for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I consider it to be garbage in comparison 
It is the passion and greatness of knowing the Lord. Trust in him. Trust his promises. Let's pray.